Well, good morning and thanks again. And as I said, thank you off campus for being here today. And once again, uh, I am Dave Hancock, and it's my privilege to share today's word. Now, uh, <laughs> I, gotta, I should stick to my script now. Throwing uh, things out there uh, from the audience is not accepted uh, because I believe that a, uh, food should be eaten, not thrown. Um, so let's just keep that there because as Margaret, Miss Margaret mentioned today, I'm worried because this is like the last weekend of August and in a few days it's September and there'll be some people that are cheerful that school is back in and there'll be some people that wish summer would make it till Christmas. So uh, wherever you sit on that, I appreciate your opinion, but food needs to stay on that side if you're not happy. So bad dad joke time because Pastor Tracy always brings great stories. The best I've got today is a bad dad joke. So, on our, my way to church today, Monica had asked if we have some uh, family over. Uh, welcome family. Hi, family. And we are, uh, you know, we're going to get together afterwards. So Monica had said, hey, by the way, um, on your way to church, can you stop uh, at Food Basics there and grab me six cans of Sprite? And I thought, okay. So I was rushing this morning, went in, came out. And then when I looked at the bag after I got to church, I realized I picked seven up. <laughs> See, I didn't even have to wait long for that one. That was great. You guys are right on. I'm, I'm happy then. So, we can, so all kidding aside now, I got past that part. You know, I want to I actually take a moment and thank Pastor Tracy. Um, it, it, it's always uh, interesting to uh, open your pulpit to somebody you haven't necessarily heard. And, and so I thank you for the opportunity to pe- preach the parables. I thought there was one more left. So I get to wrap up the series, and that really makes one of my points uh, a little stronger today. I've really enjoyed all the different pastors' approaches to the parables as we've been taught, and they've been really uh, uh, enlightening and enjoyable. And so I hope today that I can uh, do that. One thing heavy on my heart, uh, not I would say heavy, is I want to take a moment and uh, we really need to appreciate the pastoral staff we have here at this church. Um, I, I, we have amazing teaching pastors. Um, they're not about stories. They, they, like they, they, they don't grab a scripture and then for half an hour give you nothing but uh, stories. And so um, I just want to uh, say that I, I kind of gave everybody a side name, I felt. And, and so in the heart, in the heart, and this is, this is all meant in seriousness. In the heart, I believe that between Pastor Aaron and, and Pastor Tracy, we have Paul and Silas <laughs> who teach us and are willing to in any moment burst into song and the doors will open. Um, and so I think that's amazing. I saw Pastor Timothy, I mean Pastor Ethan, at youth uh, yesterday at the, at the camp wearing makeup. Uh, you can ask him about that. But, but he's, he's been well taught and led. And then, in, 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 and again, in seriousness, I think that Miss Margaret from now on should be addressed as Queen Esther. I think, I think God has placed in her truly the challenge of saving the generations to come, um, of those kids coming up. And so we have an amazing pastor. Actually, I forgot one. And we have a pastor emeritus. Do you guys know what a pastor emeritus is? He's 
they, they are the pastor that basically stepped back a bit. However, their wisdom, their culture, their teaching, their training, their, their prayer continues to be part of it. And so we have in Pastor Dell Moses, who at any moment in time will teach us from the Ten Commandments, uh, keep us well and true, and thankfully um, that means no um, all sacrifices at the altar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Each of the messages we've had over the summer on parables um, that we've been taught have always had an underlying story. Jesus is telling you something in the story. I found that as I read all the parables, one of the things that came to my mind, or one of the things that seems to be a reoccurring theme, is some form, now I say all parables, and I checked the dictionary in Google, and when I looked up the word all, what do you think it said? All. See, it's, that's just, that's, that's, it's amazing with, with those words. The word repentance. Almost all of the parables leads us to some form of repentance. Now, the Greek Orthodox Church of the, of the States, because I was trying to look up the word, the Greek word for repentance is actually metanoia. Metanoia. Now, listen to the definition. It denotes a change of mind, a reorientation, a fundamental transformation of outlook, of man's vision of the world and himself, and a new way of loving others and God. So if you ever wondered what the word repentance meant, because we just kind of categorize it in one big thing, for the Greeks, it was a lot bigger than that. It wasn't just a religious kind of thing. The word you're going to hear me use a lot today is reorientate your life. Reorientate your direction. Reorientate what you're thinking. One of the interesting things about our lives is we always wonder and we ask the question. I'm sure that Pastor Tracy has had it several times. I know I did in my short time. Pastor Aaron too. And when we go to reorientate our lives, one of the things we're like, well, okay, well, what's God's will for my life? What, is this, what do you mean? What's his will for my life? This is a sidebar and a teaching for another time, but can I offer a very simple answer that truly is just rudimentary? The will that God has for your life is written all right here. There's nothing new that you can look for or think about or get involved with or do that, that this does not address in some way or another. The will that God has for your life is, is rested in his, his teachings. We're called then to understand the Bible. We're called then to know what the Bible says in order to know God's will. And it's very simple. It calls for a reorientation of our direction, of our life. We're going to be looking at scripture today, and if you wanted to grab uh, your Bible, for those off campus... I do say welcome again, um, and uh, time to grab your Bible. If you uh, have a Bible, that's fantastic. If you don't, there'll be some in the pew in front of you. You're welcome to keep those. If you don't have a Bible, we want everybody to have one, and so by all means, have that. You will also have opportunity to read them on the screen. You can go on your phone to the Bible app. You can do under version, under more, ver, ver, more events, and then look for the church, and you're going to find today's scriptures there. 
the best thing about I found with that, and, and I know I've used it several times when Pastor Tracy is preaching, there is a point there where you can make notes, okay, behind the scriptures. I would say keep that open. Uh, as I preach today, you will want to make notes. Just things I will say that ultimately you will not want to forget because somewhere down the road you may hold it against me in a court of law. <laughs> Matthew 28, 28-32. Let's, uh, let's watch the kids' version of this uh, scripture. Stories of the Bible. The parable of the two sons. This is Jesus. hey who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like walking on water oh, hey guys. and even raised people from the dead. Jesus was in the temple in Jerusalem teaching when the Pharisees and religious leaders came up to him. They challenged his authority, and Jesus said, What do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Hey, son. Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, Hey, son! You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Then Jesus asked, Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, The first. Then Jesus explained his meaning in telling this story. Jesus told them that people who sinned would get into the kingdom of God before they did. This is because the Pharisees and religious leaders didn't believe the people who God sent to tell his message. Jesus continued to talk to the Pharisees and religious leaders. They realized he was telling the story against them, and they wanted to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowds because the crowds listened to Jesus and believed that the message he was speaking was from God. So the parable of the two sons. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Jesus says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. He said, I will not. He answered, but later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which one of these two did what the father wanted? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after that, with what you saw, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus asks a very simple question, what do you think? And then he gives them a story. What a great, it's just a great question, right? What do you think? Now the video touched on it a bit, and, 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 and for me it was the, this, the talking about John, and, and so we need to find out what that means. And the reason is 
that for me, when I read, what do you think, it's much like that word, therefore, right? So, so if, if you've been around the church for any time, or the, you've read your Bible, I know you have, so sorry, I shouldn't say it that way. When you read your Bible every day, and you get to that word, therefore, if the scripture starts with therefore, that means there has to be a before, so there's always a story before. So I think when Jesus asks the question, what do you think, it's actually important to understand what preceded it because Jesus is questioning them. Um, so we turn to Matthew 21, 23 to 27. Keep your Bible handy. Uh, Jesus enters the temple here, enters the temple courts while he was teaching. The chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked him, and who gave you this authority? Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking up to God and saying, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, creator of the universe? Oh, wait a sec. They don't believe that, do they? No, they don't believe that. Jesus replied, I will also ask you a question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it, uh, or was it from human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves. And they said, well, if we say that from human, well, he will ask, uh, then why don't you believe me? But if we say of human origin, we're actually afraid of the people. And they all hold that John, the ba- John was a prophet. So they said to Jesus, we don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now you're lying to God. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. You know, we, we see a Jesus that we love, we see a Jesus that is love, we see a Jesus that, that died on the cross for us, gave us an opportunity to enter into kingdom, and yet Jesus gets a little cheeky here with the religious leaders. Like he, he gets a little cheeky. Oh, you got a question? I got a question. What do you think? What do you think about this parable? Over the time Jesus was among the Jewish people, he challenged the institution of what was the temple, the leaders, the everyday Jew, and how they followed the law and, and the, how they led, and yet not by the truth of God's word. They led by their own laws. So when they challenge his authority one more time, because this isn't the first time, he doesn't seem to want to beat around the bush. His displeasure with the leaders comes in the parable as a cute little story, but it has a bitter end. Because think about it. He asks them, what do you think? And then he compares them to lesser than prostitutes and lawyers. Now see, at that time, that would have been an easy person to identify who was a sinner. They were the obvious, up front. If you were a tax collector, and I'm sorry, if you work for Canada Revenue Service, this is not uh, any kind of statement based upon tax collectors, anybody that is a chartered accountant. Uh, I'm not, yeah. It, not, yeah. See, I was my brother-in-law. <laughs> That's why I kind of had to throw that out there, huh? Uh, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> but Jesus looks at them and says, pretty easy to understand who these sinners are, right? They've chosen the path they're on. You think you're so good, but they're going to get into heaven before you. Jesus wasn't saying that they were going to actually get into heaven before him. What Jesus is saying is you're not going to get into heaven. Not just that, that they were before him. That they just weren't going to get into heaven. Now, getting back to my story, because the parable is what's important here. 
I felt it in my spirit that it was necessary to somewhat understand, if you haven't been around church, the two sons. And I want to expand a little bit of thinking on the two sons because they think the two sons actually start way back. Because we fall in the category of the two sons just by our genetic birth. And we'll touch on that. If you got your Bible still handy, your phone, your screen, we're going to look at Genesis 17, 19 to 22. We find that Abraham's having a deep discussion with God. Now, this is actually pretty amazing here. It seems that God is just sitting around the tent with Abraham, and they're having a powwow. A little talk time. I think that would be kind of interesting. Uh, I think I'd be underneath something if I was usually either a thermal blanket, uh, a rock, something that hopefully would shield um, my uh, body. And Jesus, and Abraham is, well, he's a little confused because God's given him a promise that him and Sarah are going to be the parents of a generation, a multiple generations of followers of God. Abraham at that time was it. He was it. There wasn't another group that was following God. If Abraham was to die, as far as we would read scripture, that would have been the end of the lineage of anybody following God. But God promised that through Abraham there would be a great, a great multitude of people. We kind of fall into this, and, and, and I know it seems a little confusing, but from my mind it helps. So let's turn to the scripture. Then God said, yes, by your wife Sarah. Now remember, God is confronting Abraham to say, you know what, it's okay. You don't think it's going to happen? Here's my promise again. Remember this. By your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him and an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless you. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant will be established with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. <laughs> when he finished speaking with Abraham, God just went up from him. That just, God just went up from him. Sarah had got into a time in her life where she couldn't wait for God anymore. And she had Abraham parent a child with one of her servants, thinking that this was the only way to get God's promise to happen. And so Isaac is born. Sorry, Ishmael. Thank you. I'm looking for the cue cards are up in the front corner. Pastor Tracy's going to keep me online because Monica's sitting in the back. <laughs> Ishmael is born. In my mind, I like to draw that line that that's where we started. See, we're not Jews. We're not Hebrews. So we don't fall under Isaac. We, we weren't in that original covenant. We, we weren't the lineage that started there. But we rest under Ishmael. But God never forgot Ishmael. Even though he set his covenant up with Isaac, he never forgot Ishmael. When I go back to the two sons, then what I see is I see 
Isaac, and Ishmael. We are those, in essence, sons that are not privileged in the relationship of God that the Bible talks about when you read Old Testament. We did not come from the lineage of Abraham on the Hebrew side, but we needed a way in. We obviously needed a way to join the family if Scripture was to be completed. We needed a way to reorientate our lives back to what we didn't know, actually. We start our lives separated from God, true sinners. And just because we're not tax collectors and prostitutes, we are still born into a life controlled by sin. And in order to reconcile back to God, we needed to reorientate our lives through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross by dying for us. We are that first son who, in defiance, tells God, not today. Jesus is the point of that light bulb turning on in our heads that says, hmm, maybe I should go work. A vineyard is, you know, we can use it as just a symbol. The vineyard is God's world. We know that from Scripture as you read the Bible, that, that this is God's work, this is God's vineyard. We're to, t- to till it, we're to create fruit, we're to, to multiply within the vineyard. The second son, as I said, could be seen as the Jewish nation under Isaac, the chosen nation. However, in this parable, it teaches us that that nation has got to the point that they only know how to play nation. They only know how to play Hebrew. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to the leaders. You, 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 you got up to the plate real quick. You, you, you got invited early. You got the best of all. And yet now... You choose not to follow me. The question you must be starting to ponder is, even though he said I'm the first son, I mean, what do I really think of this story? Where do I find myself? Where do I fit? I want to offer that as I was studying this, I actually came up with, and this was the mildly out of scripture point, I believe that there are two more children. Jesus talks about two simple ones that the leaders would understand, one and two. See, I think what Jesus doesn't expand on or doesn't get going on is there's actually a child 1B and a child 2B. Okay? Just hear me out here for a second. I think that the 1B child is the one who denies going and working in the field and never does repent from that attitude. Those are the lost. Those are the people who, when they're asked, would you follow me? Would you do my will? They blatantly decide that their lives are more important and they will never come to the kingdom. I hate to say this, but this book says it that way. The Bible says there there will be those who will never accept the way to him. That's so sad. Because they're only stuck on the inner look. They're only stuck on them. 
So we have our one B son who will never, ever reorientate their lives back to the question of really, will you follow me? And then there's a two B son. (sighs) And I actually think this is where we can rest. See, this is the believer or the so-called believer who actually gets it. Well, maybe at first. You know, they, they're, they're that kid in the youth group that they got the compelling call to go up to the altar, altar area here for the new people who don't understand. We come and we pray up here. Why? Is it a special spot? No, it's not a special spot. But it's a spot that signifies I'm making a decision to step out and show that what you're, what you're, you're challenging us to is something I need to step into. Stepping into time at the altar is, is, is relevant. But, but we get excited and we get saved and we go out and we tell our family and we run around and we do all this stuff and we, we, we do all the things we're supposed to do and we play church really well because Monday morning we're not the same person that we were on Sunday. So I think there's a 2B. But then we get it again. And all of a sudden, there's a snap in our lives, a new reorientation. And we get a chance to change the fact that we're a historic Christian. We get a chance to change the fact that we got saved, oh, a long time ago. Because God's will is calling us to a fresh start. God's will is calling us to make a new decision. See, I can stop here at a moment of transparency. I'm going to get the worship team to come back up. I've got 10 more pages of copy, but I ordered pizza, so I got to make sure I get (laughs) to pizza on time. Jesus asks the question, what do you think? We've listened to these parables and all of these parables that we've been taught on go over and over again about things that we have taken and we're confused with. We can get confused in our Christianity. We can get confused in what we believe and what we think we're doing right sometimes may not be heading quite in the same direction that God had for you. It might be something that years ago you did. I can remember a a good Christian gentleman telling me, well, I spoke in tongues. We do this in the Pentecostal assemblies. We believe that the Holy Spirit still manifests itself in your prayer life, and you can speak in other languages that you don't know when you allow the Holy Spirit rest in your life. He said, and he was a well-seasoned veteran in the church, and he said, yeah, well, I spoke in tongues 30 years ago. That's enough. Wow. That's a life that needs to be reorientated back to a living, loving God. Today I'm presenting to you an opportunity, and today is the day that this opportunity is available. 
Because today is right now. Today is the moment that God has spoken to you through the word. Today is the day, the moment, when the word reorientation comes to your heart and you say, wow, reorientate. Yeah, maybe tomorrow's not a good day to not be a Christian. (laughs) Maybe tomorrow would be better to follow God's will and be strong in my faith than what I first jumped at. Today is the opportunity. Joel and I know from our firefighting that today you might not make it out of the parking lot because somebody on that street decided that their life was more important than yours and is whipping down there at 120 kilometers an hour but you didn't gauge it right and you pulled out. So today is the day that you get to reorientate the direction of your life. Today is the day that the Holy Spirit draws your heart and says, come afresh new to me and reorientate how you're following me. My transparency is for years I played that role. For year, years I played what I want to call throne swap. See, most days I sat on the throne of my own life. And God had to stand over here. And every now and then when it was convenient, every now and then when I needed something, every now and then when I wanted to pray for something, every now and then when I wanted to get a blessing from God, I'd say, okay, God, you can have the throne. You lead. Somewhere in those sons, that one and two, I rested I, 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 I got lost in the fact that I was working on the soundboard at church. I, w- I was doing bus ministry. I was, I was in all the small groups. I, was, I would walk to church for 40 minutes just to get to church. Twice on Sundays. And once Wednesday night if I could get there for Crusaders. I was a little younger then. Hey, Dale. Crusaders? Tracy remembers Crusaders. Pentecostal Assembly's version of Scouts. You have to come to a point in your life when you make the decision to reorientate where you're sitting right today. I can't do that for you. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit that has to draw you and say, today I don't want you to be the child 2B that, or 2A even. 2A is the one I don't want you to be. I don't want you to stand there and question me as God. I want you to step into the fact that I am God. Paul writes these words in Ephesians 5, 1 to 18. And you know, I... I, I I was drawn to it. I don't know why. It's a hard, hard scripture. Paul writes, follow God's example. Now listen to this list. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walking in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because they are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jokes, 
which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. Now this, this is it. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not partner with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So what do you think? Jesus wasn't beating around the bush with the leaders anymore. See, he was in his last week of living on this earth. He had just trashed the temple the day before and cleaned it out again, as scripture says. Then he challenges the leaders to smarten them up. You've seen what has happened. You've seen people get healed. You've seen all these works. You've seen prostitutes and tax collectors come to the kingdom, but you still won't believe. In four days, Jesus is going to be hung on a tree. And in four days, child number one gets access to the kingdom. Because in four days, Jesus is going to shed his blood for you. Oh, I would love to understand what the blood of Christ did for me on the day that it went down the cross and dripped into the dry earth. All the things that came with that blood. But I know what it came with the most is it covered all my sins. It covered all the things that I was doing wrong in my life that I shouldn't be doing. It covered all the things that I felt I was entitled to. And that allowed me to enter into the holy of holies and ask God to forgive my sins. See, because before Jesus would die, if you entered the Holy of Holies and you had sin, you better hope they got a rope tied to your waist. Because you're barbecue. And I don't mean to, I mean, no, that's out there. The scripture talks about if you were not righteous in entering the Holy of Holies, they had to tie a rope to the priest just in case. We weren't even allowed to go in the Holy of Holies. And then Jesus died. And this body got covered. It washed me white as snow. I got to go into the Holy of Holies. But you know what? I still wasn't forgiven. You know why? Because I didn't step into the will of God. I hadn't stepped in to say, God, I need you at the center of my life. I need you to sit on my throne. I need you to be my story. I want to be your son, your daughter, who not only jumps up and says yes, but I want to go and do your will. I want to follow what this book says. I want to read it. I want to understand who you are. 
today off campus, I know this is a little tougher, but we have a person online with you right now. If you right now are feeling that you are being drawn by God to some form of relationship with him and you have questions, reach out. You have a source right now. You're not left alone. You're not on your own. Reach out. We promise we will get back to you. We will talk to you. We will pray with you. You're not alone. And then there's the rest of us. See, I talked about it earlier. We, we believe that separating our lives, coming to the altar is a time of just saying, I'm here, God. Saying that, you know what, I can sit in the pew and I can hide, but this says today, today, I want to reorientate the direction that I see my life going in. I want to reorientate my thoughts. I want to reorientate the jokes I tell. I want to reorientate the discussions I have. I want to reorientate the fact that I'll leave this parking lot and the first thing I'll do is start gossiping about somebody or, or, or talking about somebody behind their back or talking about the pastor and the clothes he was wearing today. It's a sin. But in all truth and reality, we sit here in the pews and we rest on our faith. We rest on that first yes. I want to challenge everybody that's here today. We, we're going to have a little bit of time of prayer, however long is here. There will be people that will come and pray with you, pray for you, or not even touch you at all. If that's not what you want, or if that's what you want. But I challenge you today, as we need to do every single day of our life, is refresh your faith in God today and say, I'm going to reorientate today. I'm going to give you the throne today. Worship team's going to lead us in a song. And I'm going to let Pastor Tracy talk us out. You've heard me enough. My challenge today, my heart of hearts, says we have an opportunity in this assembly. We have an opportunity in your lives. We have an opportunity under the leadership that God has given us in this church to be the light of this neighborhood on this hill. God did not put this church on a hill for a reason that we don't understand because this Bible says our light is on the hill. And we're in a community that our light should be shining strong. Our dedication to his word should be strong. Nobody's going to think less of you today if you've been a Christian all your life. If you come and pray. If, if, if anything, it encourages the body to see the body pray. So I'm going to say this is open. I'm going to have to fight you for some space because I'm going to be down there too. Today's the day to reorientate. I can't always count on tomorrow because today's the day.